This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Congress brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. It has Jordan. Allen shakes free. Gets two! to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. Hello and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason Mann and with me as usual is Rich Krejci. Rich, great to be back with you. Yeah, ready to, uh, ready to go here. Got some more playoffs. Yeah. This damn Russell guy is in a lot of playoffs. He is in a lot of playoffs. So we are going to talk about the uh, the remaining series of his careers, the only ones that we have not covered against the uh, Knicks and the uh, Pistons from uh, 67 through 69. So uh, obviously the Knicks are going to be one of the uh, – are, are about to be a team that would be really important in the uh, in, in the early 70s. Um, the dynasty word is sometimes thrown around there a little bit for them. Maybe not quite uh, what we would call a dynasty, but we're not going to parse the word dynasty here. That's not, <laughs> not what we do. But we will talk more about the uh, Celtics in, uh, or excuse me, about the Knicks uh, in um, in some upcoming shows uh, in our summer series that will be uh, uh, yes. coming up on uh, looking at uh, some of the uh, greatest teams of the uh, 1970s and also looking at some of the great mysteries of the 1970s, uh, sort of exploring uh, that. So so look forward to that coming up at the uh, over the summer. But uh, but right now we'll just we'll talk about the Celtics before they became uh, a, a great team. Um, first, we start with the 1967 uh, first round uh, series. The Celtics won it three games to to one. Uh, this was actually the first time the Knicks had been in the playoffs since 1959, which you know for a team that for a league that for that time had either eight <laughs> or nine teams yeah. in it, it's kind of a remarkable accomplishment. It's not easy to miss the playoffs that easily in this this era of the NBA, but uh, they were able to do it. So yeah, congrats to the Knicks. <laughs> yes. So the uh, the Boston what excuse me Boston won sixty uh, games uh, that season. The uh, Knicks meanwhile won uh, thirty six uh, games. And you had a nice little tidbit of um, uh, just how bad uh, they were. In, yeah, they uh, were uh, they were bad. <laughs> they were uh, one yes. of only uh, thirty three teams all time to make the playoffs with a negative two or worse SRS. And theirs was a negative uh, two point seven four, so almost close to negative three 
SRS, which is uh, not good. Yeah, so they're one of 33 yeah. teams all time <laughs> when there's a lot of teams that make the playoffs, yes. uh, by the way, particularly in the last you know 20 to 30 years. So uh, to be one of 33 is a, a, a good distinction or a bad yeah. distinction. But Right, and, and granted, like, they actually, I mean, again, they had talent that would eventually become you know, very good, but, it, you know, they were they were still young. I mean, they, they had had, like, three or four drafts in a row of, like, you know, really great players, you know, Willis Reed, um, uh, Clyde Frazier, Bill Bradley, all those guys. But it would take a while for them to obviously gel into. And they, they had to make some trades as well that were important that we'll talk about a little bit. But um, so uh, to get here, Boston, um, well, they, they would beat they would beat the uh, Celtics here. Or excuse me, they would beat the Knicks here. And then they would end up losing to uh, the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, who we talked about um, in our previous show, breaking the streak of eight consecutive titles. Uh, the key Celtics for the team, um, Bill Russell was in his first year as a player coach. And um, as you noted, his numbers kind of stayed consistent from the prior year, even though he was reaching the end of his run. Uh, 11.7 points per game, 18.6 rebounds per game. So um, was down. How about the uh, how about the rest of the team? Yeah, the rest of the team, uh, Sam Jones, he led the team with uh, 22.1 points per game. Uh, Jen Havlicek, 21.4 points per game for him. Uh, Bailey Howell, uh, he was an all-star who came over from Baltimore, uh, and he fit in quite nicely because he had 20 points per game and 8.4 rebounds per game. So they will definitely take that. So <laughs> not bad at all. Um, as far as the Knicks, uh, they were a super young team. They only had one player above uh, 30 years old at that point, and it was Dick Barnett, and he was exactly 30. So uh, not necessarily a, a veteran team, but that's okay. They were building. Uh, Willis Reed. Uh, he led the team uh, 20.9 points per game, 14.6 rebounds per game. And then Walt Bellamy just under him uh, at 19 points per game and 13.5 uh, rebounds per game. Yeah, and um, the Knicks actually, they, they won uh, game three for their first uh, win in Boston since 1962. Uh, the home crowd actually booed Russell during the game, which, yeah, man. You know, those <laughs> tough crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, no offense, guys, but uh, Celtics fans from the time who might be listening. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, all, the, all of our <laughs> guys were, uh, you know, maybe could have been a little bit more understanding toward the um, uh, toward the Celtics during that time, Russell in particular. But, um, yeah, uh, Reed scored uh, 38 points in that uh, game to um, uh, to, to help uh, the, uh, the Knicks to victory in that game. But in the final game of the series, um, Sam Jones scored 51 points uh, as the Celtics dominated the Knicks 118-109. to At the time, he was the sixth player in NBA history to score more than 50 in a playoff game. Now 20 have uh, done it. So still a pretty elite company for uh, Sam Jones. I believe he's the only – he was certainly the only Celtic at the time to have uh, accomplished that. Um yeah, the, yeah. The top guys, the talk about the, the sort of the young crop of guys that the uh, the Knicks had at the time. They had Willis Reed, who was twenty four. Uh, Walt Bellamy, who was twenty seven, would, would be traded soon. Um, uh, Cassie Russell, who was twenty two. Um, Dick Van Arsdale, who was twenty three, and would would be uh, traded. Um, and yeah, they didn't really have most of the key guys who would be you know coming in over the uh, the, the next few seasons. Um, Frazier wasn't there yet, and uh, Bill Bradley wasn't there. Yet. So this was really it, you know Reed and Russell really, really the the two key guys who would of course become you know part of their uh, of their free future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the 1968 first round, uh, the uh, the Celtics uh, beat the Detroit Pistons uh, four games to two. Uh, the, the, this was the first time the Pistons had been in the playoffs uh, after uh, a four-year drought. Uh, now, the team had uh, struggled mightily, mightily under 24-year-old player <laughs> coach Dave DeBuscher, which is kind of crazy that the— uh, young. 
Yeah, that they were that the NBA, uh, you know, that an NBA team had, um, you know, a 24 year old as, as their coach, even though David Busher was yeah, obviously smart and uh, well regarded. It was still, um, you know, pretty, um, pretty wild that um, he had done that. And he was actually replaced as the coach late in the 67 season. So so was still playing on the team, but was no longer the uh, the coach of the right. team. Um Dave Bing, who was from the D.C. area where Red Auerbach was from, he had actually known Auerbach since uh, he was 12 years old. And it, it was like his relationship with Russell. He was sort of like uh, would it, he, he was always hoping that Russell would at least acknowledge that he existed. And Russell basically ignored him for the very early part of his t- career until Bing uh, had established himself, which was kind of funny, you know, given Russell's, um, um, I, you know, um, his senior status, I guess, at that point, you know, was like, you know, I'm not really going to, you know, give you anything until you, you you show yourself as being worthy of me, you know, giving something to you. So um, before the 68 playoffs, uh, Russell actually canceled practice and had a long team meeting, which, you know, everyone was trying to air out their grievances just to kind of give, you know, everyone a little bit of a um, of a, um, you know, a, a little bit of a just a you know obviously just a way to kind of clear the air and all that good stuff uh and also russell was battling insomnia during that time which he battled through kind of the later part of his career and was but was especially bad um uh during this time one of kind of the reasons why he started to really realize like hey i'm toward the end it's, this is not good for my health uh type type stuff so um so as far as uh, as the records go, Boston was fifty four and twenty eight. Uh, they had a um, a three point eight seven SRS, which was the lowest for the Celtics since fifty five before Russell got there. Detroit was forty and uh, forty two. Uh, playoff paths: the um, Boston uh, would after beating the Celtics, they would uh, gain revenge on the seventy sixers as we talked about last uh, series, winning in seven games before defeating the uh, Lakers in the uh, finals, which we talked about uh, previously yeah. as well. So. Uh, so who were the uh, key uh, Celtics and Pistons during the series? Yeah, the key Celtics uh, is actually one of the better balanced Celtics teams uh, ever. Uh, you have Bill Russell, who's still dominant on the defensive end and rebounding end, but was coming uh, a lot less of a scoring threat. Uh, 12 point, uh, 12.5 points per game, 18.8 uh, rebounds per game. So you're starting to see a little bit less there. But other guys are emerging. You have Sam Jones. He's got a team leading 21.3 points per game. Uh, John Havlicek, 20.7. And then Bailey Howell, who continues to uh, acclimate himself quite well to the team, 19.8 points per game, uh, 9.8 rebounds per game. As far as the Pistons. Uh, your key is, of course, Dave Bing. In only a second year, he becomes the unquestioned team leader uh, and really good on court production as well. 27.1 points per game, 6.4 assists per game. Uh, Happy Hairston, 18.8 points per game, 10.1 rebounds per game. And then Dave DeBuscher, uh, no longer saddled with being the coach, uh, does quite well. He has 17.9 points per game, 13.5 uh, rebounds per game. Yeah, and sort of the other kind of key guys for the uh, the, the Pistons during this time, uh, Terry Dishinger, who um, he had missed a couple years for, for with military service. He'd come back, though, and um, played really well. He was a three-time All-Star before coming to the league, and he's in, one of those guys who really stands out if you kind of look at it like at a, you know the advanced stats per minute um, stuff, like win shares he ranks really high, and um, – um, you had had kind of a pretty good standout, um, you know, career, especially before the military service. After military service, it wasn't quite as strong, although he was still, you know, was a, you know a pretty good player for the Pistons of the late '60s and early '70s. Um, also, uh, Jimmy Walker as well, who had a couple um, All Star years in the '70s, and and the Pistons generally, you know, were not. You know, from the uh, from the mid fifties until really the bad boy years, they were generally not a good team. But they had a couple of you know pretty good years with Bing and later with uh, Bob Lanier. You know, in, in tow. Um, 
but were kind of bedeviled with uh, inconsistency. The only other guy was um, was Eddie Miles, uh, who was nicknamed the Man with the Golden Arm, who was a uh, who was a shooting guard and a point guard. Was a had previously been an All Star and spent you know like a, a seven or so seasons with the uh, with the Pistons during this time. So they kind of had some you know those were kind of the other key guys who were sort of part of the mm-hmm. uh, team during this time. As you mentioned, they didn't accomplish a lot, but you know hey they're they they were around. <laughs> they were doing stuff. They yeah. they're worth noting as well. Cool uniforms too. Yes. So. Um, so as far as the key games go. Yeah, so game two, uh, Russell is in foul trouble throughout much of the game, and Detroit actually ended up winning. Um, and, uh, yeah, game three, uh, Dave Bing ignited a third-quarter rally to shock the Celtics in Boston. Now uh, Boston was down 2-1, uh, and Jimmy Walker, he chipped in 22 in that game as well. So you got Pistons. Might be a little upset here. Yeah. Uh, no, not, no. I'm sorry. Uh, Havlicek uh, starts at guard in game four. He gets 35-9-9. Nine, and nine. Uh, Russell, using his uh, psychological games, he tells the Detroit players to stay out of the lane. It works because Boston destroys the Pistons 135-110, to and they'd never look back. In the final game of the series then, uh, Boston finally puts Detroit away uh, despite Bing's best efforts because he had 44 in that game. Uh, but Havlicek led the Celtics with 31. Sam Jones had 22, and unfortunately the Celtics moved on. Well, I mean, not unfortunately, but maybe yeah. unfortunately for the Pistons. Dep- depending on your point of view. <laughs> depending if you're a Detroit Pistons fan or not, yes. The uh, Celtics moved on. So, But hey, valiant yes. effort. Yes. So... Um... Uh, 1969 Eastern Division Finals. The uh, or the Celtics and the uh, Knicks. Uh, the, the the Knicks made a big trade, trading Walt Bellamy for to the Pistons for David Busher, who um, allowed Willis Reed to move from power forward to center, maximizing his potential. And DeBusher fitting in very well in terms of just being a you know another guy who was really a standout passer and a good defender. Uh, they also had um, at this point uh, had made Red Holzman their coach, um, and and he was uh, a, obviously one of the great coaches in uh, NBA history and, um, and and was there for the entire dynasty and was um, he, he kind of developed a good system for uh, for, for the team to uh, to play under. Um, when Bill, Brad- Bill Bradley had also joined the team during this time, and when he met Russell, Russell first quizzed him about the uh, history of Cecil Rhodes, um, and um, Rhodes or uh, Bradley famously had, having been a Rhodes Scholar. And then Bradley says, well, I knew what he was saying. He was talking about taking a Rhodes Scholarship from a racist diamond miner, just talking about the challenge, you know, that Russell, of course, um, um, you know, Bradley coming in as the great white hope and, you know, being part of like this, you know, racist institution or as far as like this, well, this institution founded on this you know um this racist guy and and you know kind of what that meant and uh but bradley and russell uh did have a friendship and were um you know um had had a good relationship but it was sort of like russell um initially giving him a little bit of like you know i understand what this is about and you should understand what this is about too and you know and sizing each other up i guess well russell sizing bradley up i I think more than anything so uh, interesting observation that i um thought there um the Knicks won six of seven during the regular season here, um, so looking like they were pretty good. Uh, they had a fifty-four and twenty-eight record. Boston was forty-eight and uh, thirty-four. Uh, Boston had defeated uh, Philadelphia in the opening round, which we talked about in a previous show. Uh, the Knicks had actually defeated uh, the number one seeded um, Bullets in the uh, opening round, which was a, actually pretty big. Uh, would have been a pretty big upset at the time. Um, I don't know if anybody was injured for the uh, the Bullets during uh, that series or anything out, but the, but the Bullets that year had been led by the uh, West Unsold, who was the uh, Rookie of the Year and the uh, MVP. So that's. Uh, 
sort of interesting result. And then and the Bulls actually in the next would I think face off in the next f- five straight uh, playoff that series right, from sixty nine yeah. to seventy four. Either either five or six in a row. Yeah, they they uh, played um, a lot. Um, yeah, I don't see any. Um, I, I don't see anyone particularly uh, who was injured during just that upset, series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were just upset. That, that's an interesting uh, interesting result because. Uh, uh, we'll have to look, we'll dig, dig more into that one. I don't know the uh, the exact particulars of that one, but anyway. Um, so, um, so who are the key players for um, for each team? Well, the Celtics uh, don't have to tell you too much, but yeah. uh, Bill Russell was one of them. Uh, this is his final year as a player slash coach, uh, and he saw his scoring average dip uh, below ten for I believe the first time in his career, nine point nine. Uh, his rebounds pathetically below twenty, nineteen point three. Jesus, come on, Bill, step it up. Nineteen point three rebounds, come on. Let's go. Let's get a few more. Let's talk about one rebound a game more and you get 20. But, you know, uh, John Havlicek, though, no worries. He assumed the team scoring load. He had a 21.6. Uh, and Bailey Howell continued to uh, be a, a productive member on uh, 19.7 points per game, 8.8 rebounds per game for him. Uh, the Knicks, you're starting to see some developing there. You got Bill uh, Willis Reed, rather, uh, 21.1 points per game, 14.5 rebounds per game for him. Uh, Cassie Russell, 18.3 points per game. And then Walt Frazier, uh, 17.5 points per game and 7.9 assists per game so uh starting to see the emerging knicks uh starting to starting to come to form there a little bit with uh the coach and the team and and everybody's starting to kind of come together and do a team that we would uh we'll talk about as you said in the summer so yeah so this was the second year both for for frazier and bradley um bradley was obviously he was really hyped coming into um coming into the Knicks, he was already like, I mean, books have been written about him. He, uh, he started Princeton and was this great player. And he had, uh, you know, had, um, de- delayed his basketball career to get his road scholarship. And, and was just like this guy who, um, you know, ha- had all this hype and then came in and was not exactly the type of player performer uh, that at least at first that Knicks fans had expected. And his scoring wasn't particularly high. And, um, you know, he ended up developing into a, you know, like a great complimentary player and a guy who, you know, even if you look at the numbers, they're not particularly stout, but, um, but everything else suggests that he was, you know, a great defender and a great passer and, you know, great without moving without the ball and that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, at this point, you know, we have Reed, we got Frazier, uh, Dick Barnett was added. He'd come from the, uh, the, the Lakers and was, you know, was a, a pretty important part of that, of those early teams. Um, uh, and also Mike Reardon, who was, uh, you know, who, who stuck around with the Knicks for a while was another guy who, um, you know, who contributed, who was a, a kind of a guard forward, you know, defensive oriented, um, would, uh, a, a, and then would, uh, later be, uh, uh, part of some of those strong bullet teams of the uh, mid to late seventies. So, um, so yeah, those, those are the other kind of the standout uh, Knicks guys there. But as, as we mentioned, they, they kind of are at this point basically have all the pieces together as far as being a championship team. And then, you know, another year after this, they would win a championship. So as far as how did the series go? Uh, series, uh, I think key games, uh, there's not a ton of them, but uh, game four is interesting because Boston eked out a one-point win. Uh, they brought the series then to 3-1. And then the final game was actually uh, very important. Game six. This was the uh, the game uh, the the first ever game on primetime national television for the NBA. So uh, a big moment for them, and and it was good because uh, you know, you get the influence of New York in there, and it's like, hey, you, your league exists. Like, hey, like look at this. So uh, definitely cool for them. Um, in this game, uh, Sam Jones aggressively hound Frazier uh, after Frazier, uh, Frazier suffered a groin injury. Uh, Havlicek hit uh, hit two uh, key late buckets uh, to seal the uh, series win. 
Uh, it's from Frank DeFord in SI April 1969. It is ironic but not uh, contradictory that while New York may still be good enough to win the championship, it is also the only team in the league that could suffer such sustained futility. So Frank not giving, uh, <laughs> not giving them a break. Wait a minute. Wait, wait like a year, Frank. Let's yeah. see what happens. Like let's yeah. just let's get patient. Let's get a little patient here. But uh yeah, and then uh in that same article, uh, Frank said, So Sam came out shooting. He was uh he was to put up thirty one shots and got free of Russell at the top of the key for the game's first basket. Frazier pushing one hand against a sore muscle to try to still the pain. Dodds Jones manfully, but Sam hit six ba- uh six baskets in the first half, and Russell decided to start him in the third quarter too, which he had seldom done. So Sam had, Sam Jones had very seldomly came uh started third quarter, but he did it this time. Uh Sam broke it open with five baskets that put him and the Celtics up uh, 10. Moreover, the Knicks often double teamed him, and this left Emmett Bryant wide open for 19 points. So, Emmett Bryant, of course, not a guy uh, known for huge scoring outputs, but in this time he did. Uh, and Sam had uh, 29 on his own. So, uh, really, Sam Jones, you look at him as, as, as really kind of sealing this victory for the Celtics. And, of course, Frank DeFord, he's, he's ready to give up on this. Trade these teams. <laughs> Break it up. Break <laughs> yeah. up this team. They're never going to do it. Fire holds yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Hot take Frank. You know. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's pissed. He's like, this team's nothing. Going nowhere. Yeah. Over. <laughs> um, they, uh, yeah, it, it was a, there were the two very close games and then the other games for the most part were sort of eight and 10 point margin. So, you know, a, a, a reasonably tight series throughout one only really true blowout, um, game two, Boston with the big win. But, um, yeah. Uh, and as we mentioned in previous shows, Sam Jones had sort he was at this point, I think 30, 35, 36. And he, um, and, and and he was yeah this was the final season and he had struggled to kind of you know, play well during the season and you know he and Russell kind of got a little bit frustrated but um you know they were able, but but Sam was finally able to um you know perform pretty well in the playoffs and uh, lead lead the team to victory one more time despite you know a a lot of struggles you know um uh health wise and so forth during the uh, during the season with nagging injuries and so forth so yeah. Uh, Anything else to discuss? Uh, no, I think we're we think we're good. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks everyone for uh, checking us out. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter by uh, by going over uh, at Over and Back NBA, and um, appreciate it if you leave us a, a review and uh, rating on iTunes uh, and or Stitcher. Uh, we uh, we greatly appreciate it. it helps uh, people uh, find out about the show and it makes us feel good about ourselves. So very important and. Um, Yeah, so uh, thanks for listening, and uh, until next time, we'll be back again soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.